Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like, and share it, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is 5.16 a.m. East Coast time. It is Friday, November 8th, and we're going to take our final look, really, our final thoughts for YouTube. We'll do our Thursday, our closing thoughts on Sunday morning for Patreon, but final thoughts on this NFL 10-game Week 10 slate. The 10s are running wild. I appreciate you all tuning in. Before we get into it, my name is Sal Vetri. I do cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA and the MLB streets. There's NBA content on my channel every single day. I release a video. We have hit one every single day so far this NBA season. That is the goal. NFL content every single day on this channel, as well as on Patreon. Even more content on Patreon. That is my exclusive content, which is linked up down below. You can find out more about that once again, linked up down below. I have my social media accounts also linked up down below. If you are interested, free strategy guides as well. I see a lot of people have been downloading those as of late, probably for the NBA. There's one for the NBA. There's one for the NFL linked up down below. So thank you. Whether it's on the podcast, how those ears doing, whether it's on the video, waving now, how you doing? Uh, So I appreciate you tuning in here. And before we get into it, just want to briefly shout out the sponsor of today's show, Fantasy Draft. They're revolutionizing the way that people play daily fantasy sports. And what they're doing is they're just allowing you not to have to play maintenance fees, management fees, and rake. What that all comes down to over here, rake, yes, it's thrown around a lot these days because it's just a way for sites to get an edge by not doing it. And Fantasy Draft is doing it to the extreme rake-free, 100% rake-free. You just pay a very small fee, a monthly balance subscription type of a fee, which is nowhere near the 10 to 15 plus percent, sometimes 18, 17% rake you pay on some of these sites. It's pretty cool. Uh, You don't really notice you're paying that much rake unless you track your bankroll. I track my bankroll. You win much more when you play on Fantasy Draft. You lose much less when you play on Fantasy Draft. So uh, it's a win-win situation, truly is. Check it out. It's linked up down below is Fantasy Draft. Uh, You can see all about that. Once again, linked up down below. Click the link. Check it out. So appreciate you hit the subscribe button. Appreciate if you five-star rate and review the podcast. Be entered into a raffle to win a free entry into Fantasy Draft's main contest this weekend. Let's get into this Final Thoughts video. Above my shoulder or above over my shoulder behind me, if you're watching on the video version, is the target offense sheet. This is available with a ton of all the positional stat sheets. One of the, one of the few things, one of the few, one of the many things <laughs> offered over on Patreon. So be sure to check it out. Uh, you can screenshot it right now if you need to. I'll get it out of the way. Uh, but going to quarterback. So let me blow this up for the people that are looking. And going over to the quarterback position right now, I have some things that have changed. I have seven interests at quarterback. I think that's a pretty decent sized pool. How are you going to play seven guys? You just play more lineups. That's how. But I think there's four guys I'm going to build around for the most part. And actually, there's more than four guys. This guy immediately on here was not shifted to a yes, although I want him to be a yes, and this guy needs to be shifted to a maybe. So there we go. We got four guys on here. We just switched up some of them as I now factor them back through, and we should be good to go. So starting at the top here, look, pure point-wise, Lamar Jackson, and I have projections over on Patreon, but I'll just spoil this one. Pure point-wise, he's the highest projected quarterback I have on the slate. He's facing a bottom 10, their ninth overall, ninth worst overall uh, pass rush in the Bengals, a bottom three pass coverage unit this is just a spot where Lamar Jackson can have all the time he wants to hit his receivers whether it be Hollywood Brown returning again 
couple games back from an injury. Mark Andrews has been one of his more reliable targets all year, although his targets in the last game and really his snaps dipped down to below uh, 40% into the low 30% range, maybe just a product of the scheme against the Patriots. But you get Lamar Jackson here, and as good as a matchup as it's going to get, the defensive line is still banged up for the Bengals. Their secondary is still banged up. It's a bunch of injuries and just not a lot of good players to begin with. Lamar Jackson last time out just absolutely dominated this team on the ground. I expect similar things to happen here. He's a really good play for a guy averaging 79 rushing yards per game. That is absolutely ridiculous. He's averaging more rushing yards per game than his number one running back on his team, Mark Ingram, who's having a very good season in terms of effectiveness per touch. He's averaging eight more rushing yards per game than his running back. That is ridiculous. And he's a quarterback who also throws the ball, right? That's what quarterbacks do. So yes, the upside here is fantastic. I don't care about the price point being high. I like it. He makes for like a fantastic cash play if you could afford him there. There's some top end running backs and wide receivers we'll talk about. So it's a little bit more difficult to get to him. But really good play, Lamar Jackson. When it comes to stacking in tournaments, yes, Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews stand out. I prefer Hollywood Brown much more for big play upside and just being on the field more than Mark Andrews is right now. In the in the red zone, it's going to be more of a Mark Andrews game. So they're both viable for stacking, but you could run Lamar Jackson naked. Look, I get it. Everybody around the industry keeps saying, oh, you have to be stacking. You have to be stacking. I 100% agree. When there's two clear options for a quarterback, you stack that quarterback. If there's not, you probably don't play him. There are two clear options for Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and Hollywood Brown. Do they rarely both pay off for you, though? Week one, they did, right? Hollywood Brown goes nuts. Week one, they did. But since then, have they really both been able to pay off and be consistent? No, not at all. Whereas Lamar Jackson, yes, his floor is high. It's around the 20-point range. He's averaging 27.65 fantasy points per game. I have him projected for close to 26 fantasy points for this game alone. So I think running him naked when he's averaging um, over 12 fantasy points per game on the ground alone this season yeah, I think it's okay to do that. I think we all have to um, understand how good stacking is, but also understand that if you want to play this guy, and yes, he does have a huge upside, if you want to just play him, go ahead and play him. Don't overthink it. Um, next up, as somebody r- rips it, man, nothing gets on my nerves more than somebody ripping it like that. Wild. Um, Jameis Winston, uh, $6,800. Good spot. There's two clear stacking options, right? Chris Godwin, and then you have Mike Evans. It's, it's just as clear as it gets. They're both expensive. I get it. Oh, but they both don't go off in the same week. They're both great receivers, and there's a really good chance that, yes, it's been like one scores 40 and the other one scores 12. There's a really good chance that that can balance out to them each scoring 25. You know at the end of the day what that means, though? They're both still scoring you 50 in your lineups, and I get it. You could have had somebody else for the price point or whatever it might be. At the end of the day, I think it's a little bit fluky halfway through the season. You're going to see that start to get distributed, and if not, it's fine. Pay the price tags. Go elsewhere in your lineup if you want to stack them. I think Jameis Winston is a top two or three quarterback play on the slate. I think his stacking options are probably the best on the slate. When you consider that Evans is in a great spot. Oh, but Patrick Peterson's back. Patrick Peterson through three games has been one of the worst cornerbacks over the last three games. Have you been watching that? No, everybody just remembers his name and thinks, oh, he's Patrick Peterson. He'll never regress. Oh, he's coming off of an injury and a suspension. Oh, he'll never regress. No, he has not been good. And I get it. It's three game sample, so it could change. But Mike Evans has been right now the prime of his career, probably. Patrick Peterson on the downturn of his career, playing very poorly. I think Mike Evans is going to be fine. Then you have Chris Goblin coming out of the slot against Tremaine Brock, which is just an absolute mismatch in terms of Goblin having 20 pounds on Brock. Brock being very poor so far this season. Goblin, obviously the opposite of poor in the slot, probably the best slot wide receiver in the league right above Cooper Cup so far this season. Goblin running around 65% of his snaps out of the slot. Jameis has a great spot. He gets his tight end OJ Howard back, who has not been great at all. Would he get four or five targets maybe out of OJ Howard? But there's some upside there at the price point against the Cardinals who, wow, would you look at that? Beginning of the year, everybody's going wild and they're still giving up the most fantasy points per game to the tight end position because just the beginning of the season was an absolute onslaught three weeks in a row. But for some reason, people just think that the Cardinals were going to continue to give up 
30-point performances to every single tight end they faced. I get it. They're a bad secondary. There's just always going to be teams that run bad at a certain position. They're not going to give up 30 points every single game to a single tight end. But sadly, they're giving up 27.5 to the tight ends. Yes, that's accumulating every single tight end on teams. The backup tight end who has a six-point day, that's getting added into that average. It's going to continue to come back down. Don't worry too much about it. And the 27.5 is actually against the quarterback position. We'll get to the tight end page in a second. So Lamar Jackson, Jameis Winston stand out. Patty Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, they said we're not going to know until Saturday or Sunday. He was expected to be back. They've been saying this for a couple weeks now that this would be the return date against Tennessee. I love it. I love this spot. I mean, if nobody's going to own Patrick Mahomes because they're worried about an injury, they're not putting Patrick Mahomes out there if there's any risk, right? If he's suiting up, he's 100% go. Obviously, he's the quarterback. He won't be on limited snap counts, but he's 100% go. You have his wide receiver, who we'll talk about, Tyree Kill, in an absolute smash spot against a backup, LaShawn Sims, with no Malcolm Butler out there in the Tennessee secondary, who they've already getting torched on the outside. Andor Jackson has been good this year, but he plays about 88% of his snaps on the left side of the field. Tyree Kill will move around and, and get wide open against guys like uh, LaShawn Sims, who has 130 pass rating against in about two games worth of coverage, coverage snaps this season. Uh, so that's one guy. Uh, you have Travis Kelsey, obviously the best tight end in the league. He's another guy that you can throw to. Yes, in the slot, Sammy Watkins has a difficult matchup against Logan Ryan. All the weapons out of the backfield. And goddamn, it's Patrick Mahomes at $7,000 in likely low ownership. Yeah, Chief stacks are going to be a priority of mine this week, especially because people are just not wanting to own them. Everybody wants to pay up for Mike Thomas. And I get it. He's cheap relative to the top end running backs, right? And he's been producing just like a top end running back. He should probably be $9,000. But when Tyree Kill's sitting there right next to him at 3% ownership right now, yeah, it's going to be easy for me to want to leverage over to some Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, maybe even Travis Kelsey stacks this week. With a lot of interest in Patrick Mahomes, not surprised if he becomes my highest owned quarterback uh, by Sunday. Uh, Matt Ryan here. It's a weird spot. They have a weird total of 19. We talked about this on the, the Tuesday show, I believe, um, on this YouTube channel. Overall game total of 51. They're 13 point underdogs. He's going to throw 40 plus times. He leads the slate with 40.7 pass attempts per game. He's going to have decent matchups like Julio Jones. Oh, oh, here we go. He's facing Marshawn Lattimore. I can't go there, Sal. Have you looked at the matchups the last two years when Julio faces Marshawn Lattimore? He's gone for over 140 yards in two of the four games. And then the least yardage that Marshawn Lattimore has held him to in shadow matchups is 96. Five catches for 96 yards. So yes, not the greatest of fantasy finishes, 14.6 points. But in four shadow matchups, the worst, or actually last year, they actually put Eli Apple in a double team over top on Julio on the Thursday Night Football. I believe it was the, uh, the Thanksgiving game. They put a double team over the top on Julio with Eli Apple, and then they just put Marshawn Lattimore to shut down Calvin Ridley. And that makes sense to do that, right? Shadow coverage, kind of a hitch and ladder coverage on a guy like Julio. He still was fine for 140 plus yards. So I'm not worried about Julio. If anything, I don't want to play Calvin Ridley anyways, but there's a really good chance you see Marshawn Lattimore go over to Calvin Ridley and they do the same thing they did last year. Just not use Marshawn Lattimore's energy up all that much. Double team Julio and see if you can shut him down or at least limit him that way. So Julio, either way, I think he's fine when he faced Marshawn Lattimore in shadow treatments. It didn't matter when they put him a double team on him like he has his whole career the last three or four years it doesn't matter Julio should be fine for Matt Ryan um, Austin Hooper still going to be fine for Matt Ryan Russell Gage coming out of the slot took over the Muhammad Sanu role caught four, five balls on seven targets he seems like he's going to be okay Devonta Freeman out of the backfield against a good Saints front and this is another thing Matt Ryan is throwing 40.7 times a game because his run blocking his pass blocking is not great like they needed to fix that they did they drafted two uh, for offensive linemen in their draft with their top two picks and then you see these guys get injured the offensive line is all banged up the pass blocking has been pieced together the run blocking has been terrible against one of the best defensive lines in the leagues now with the Saints it's going to be a throw the ball type of day nonstop for Matt Ryan which makes him a viable option he has clear options to throw to Julio and Hooper would be my priority there and then honestly Russell Gage not that I want to prioritize him but he would be my third interest ahead of Calvin Ridley just either way if Ridley gets Eli Apple that's not the greatest in matchups for Ridley's skill set and there's a good chance that he does get Marshawn Lattimore 
So those are my four interests at quarterback. Lamar Jackson, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, and Patrick Mahomes. I have question marks, and I have some interest in Drew Brees, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold. Um, Drew Brees just don't want to get there as much. He's a 13-point favorite. He only throws 30.3 times per game this season. Alvin Kamara practice in full today, um, or actually yesterday on Thursday. So there's a chance that you do get Drew Brees... Um, you get him throwing like 30 times in this game. And yes, you can get a really good game from Michael Thomas still and Kamara, and the stack could pay off. But more times than not, I'd rather just go to the guys who are going to be throwing it 6 to 10 to 12 times more than Breeze in this spot and have two clear passing options. It's Kamara and Michael Thomas in this offense. Ted Ginn, if you really want to play, pay for the cheap price tag. But Breeze this season has only thrown downfield three times, 20-plus yards. Two of them have been to Ted Ginn, so I get that. But people are going to say, oh, Drew Breeze is back. They're going to throw downfield more because Teddy Bridgewater's not there. Have you been watching the Saints for two years? They don't throw the ball downfield. Michael Thomas is just like the route running expert for 10-yard passes. Alvin Kamara is out of the backfield, right? Short passes to whoever your tight end is that season. This season, it's Jared Cook. Um, he does not throw the ball downfield. People get it confused. Austin Carr of the slot last year was having success. Um, it's just a spot where... Breeze's upside here is a 13-point favorite. I don't like it all that much in a slowly-paced game. Kyler Murray I like a lot. The matchup is so fantastic. Kyler Murray gets rushing yards, 35 per game on the ground this season. Really good matchup against Tampa Bay, allowing the second-most fantasy points per game on this slate, 25.8 to the quarterback position. Again, he's mobile. He has clear options in Larry Fitzgerald and uh, Christian Kirk, but they're short passing options. Both these guys run out of the slot. Christian Kirk, even worse for him, he went to the outside a lot last week as they ran a lot more 11 personnel and not as much four wide receiver sets as they were doing when Kirk was hurt. But now they put him to the outside, so not as easy to convert passes. Yes, he has deeper passes down the field, but not as easier to convert passes. Um, So I do think Larry Fitzgerald's in play, running 90% of his routes out of the slot, has a good matchup. All these guys will have good matchups against Tampa's pass funnel defense. But in terms of being a good play for your upside for a tournament, stacking Kyler Murray, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk, and then running it back with somebody on Tampa Bay, easy runback options in Godwin and or Evans. But I don't really want to stack Kirk and Fitzgerald. My upside field is very much dependent on touchdowns, which you can say that for a lot of other teams too. If you're running a stack, you probably need touchdowns in it. But if I have Larry Fitzgerald catching five balls for 60 yards and Christian Kirk catching seven balls for 80 yards, I'm, I'm pretty much dead in the water with my stack at that point. And the way that this offense is, although a really good matchup, I don't know if I like the upside there. I like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray similar to Lamar Jackson. I just can't run him naked because he has nowhere near as much rushing upside. I think his wide receivers are nice run back options in a Tampa stack. I just don't know how often, even in this beautiful spot, I get to Kyler Murray. Sam Darnold, Giants and Jets. So both teams pretty much have a home game here. I can't trust Sam Darnold. He's just a maybe because he's the only guy below $6,000 I have any interest in. Um, Daniel Jones, not as much. It's a good spot for Daniel Jones in theory, but you don't have Evan Ingram. You still don't have Sterling Shepard. You're going to be running out an inexperienced Darius Slayton who's had a couple of nice jump balls, but don't get it twisted. This guy does not have the greatest of separation, and he's not a chain mover in terms of the wide receiver for the Giants. So people see him catch two touchdowns in a game and lose their minds and catch a deep touchdown earlier in the year. He's not doing it consistently. He's not making this offense get better by moving the chains. Yes, you have Golden Tate, but it's going to be the most difficult matchups he's had all year against Brian Poole in the slot. Uh, So you're moving your offense through Cody Lattimore on the outside, who has an okay matchup, Uh, an inexperienced receiver, jump ball receiver, really, and Darius Slayton, and then Saquon in the backfield. It's really tough to like Daniel Jones as a stacking option. Darnold at least has nice matchups with Crowder against Grant Haley in the slot. Robbie Anderson on the outside. 
against Janoris Jenkins. And then even Demarius Thomas, probably the best matchup on the team against DeAndre Baker on the outside. I'm not shocked to see Demarius Thomas have a 20-point game this weekend. I'm not going to say it's going to happen because um, he's Demarius Thomas, but uh, this is a really good spot for Thomas to have a five, six reception game. And then it just depends on if he finds his way into the end zone or not uh, to hit that type of a ceiling. But at his price point, I do think Demarius Thomas is in play. DeAndre Baker has given up over 500 yards this season, and he is the worst cornerback in the league in terms of being targeted, pass rating against 153.6. Really bad. So that's a lot about these quarterbacks in the spots they're in with some of their players let's get on to the running back page as i take a sip oh my god i almost broke everything as i take a sip of my water here excuse me there we go all right so running back page christian mccaffrey at the top 10,500. here's the interesting thing i love christian mccaffrey this week i like him every week green bay allows the fifth most receptions to running backs third most rushing yards you can see that on the screen here it's a spot where christian mccaffrey is averaging 27.2 attempts per game almost seven targets per game 20 rush attempts per game. The only guy to have that on the slate, 20 rush attempts per game, Mac, Marlon Mack, really close, 19.9. He has 6.6 attempts per game or uh, uh, targets per game. The Packers have just been getting towards 24th ranked defense in terms of rush defense, 21st in tackling in terms of being bad in the bottom third of the league. That's not good when Christian McCaffrey comes to town. Lots of pieces of this Carolina team I actually like in this matchup. 21.25 team total. Here's the thing in thinking about Christian McCaffrey. He wasn't even needed in some winning lineups last week because Jalen Samuel, and it's a very interesting week, was very cheap. He has a really good game into the 20s. You have a cheaper Josh Jacobs at 6,500 last week getting through for 30 points. So although he wasn't needed, I think it was a unique a unique week where we had a really cheap automatic play in Jalen Samuels, in my opinion, as stated last week across the industry and on this podcast and show. So I don't think you get that again this week. So I think McCaffrey, if he goes for a 40-burger, obviously is needed. And it's just a spot where outside of the Bucks games, who have been the number one rush defense in the league, shot him down for three out of his four quarters against them. He's scoring over 30 fantasy points per game against teams. And there's no personnel in this Packers team uh, that can stop him. There's no linebackers. Um, they have good tackling safeties. They have good tackling cornerbacks, but there is no linebackers on this team. Blake Martinez leads the league in tackles a ton. He is not matching up against Christian McCaffrey. The defensive line has been playing uh, poor, I would say. Kenny Clark getting a lot of slack for that, although he's getting double teamed on every single rushing attempt, so you can't really hurt Kenny Clark, one of the better run stoppers in the league, or blame him for having a down year when uh, they got rid of Mike Daniels, and it's really tough. So Christian McCaffrey, really good spot. 10,500. I'm fine paying it. I prefer Saquon Barkley over Alvin Kamara this week. I like both, but Kamara's ownership is almost double Saquon Barkley. So if I get to one of them, it's probably Barkley at only 12 to 14% owned when Kamara is like the third highest guy, owned guy in the slate. And I really like this matchup against Alvin Kamara against an Atlanta team who I think is a little bit skewed in terms of how good they've been. Saquon Barkley has to be the whole team now. Like moving the chains is going to go through Saquon Barkley. Uh, no Sterling Shepard, no Evan Ingram. The last time this happened, Saquon wasn't playing either. So we don't have a sample of no Sterling Shepard and no Evan Ingram with Saquon in there. It was Wayne Gallman on Thursday Night Football against the New England Patriots. Now you have Saquon in there. I would expect somewhere around eight targets, if not more, for Saquon Barkley. And he's 8,800, sure. But if you're going to tell me that he's going to see eight to 10 targets in this game and they're easily convertible targets, he has a catch rate so close to 80 plus percent, then yeah, Saquon Barkley is going to be in play. And when you factor in the ownership, I like him a little bit more than Alvin Kamara. Marlon Mack here, and this might change. He's only 10% owned. Half as owned as Nick Chubb. Half as owned as guys similar, uh, or 50% is less owned. Not Well, I guess it's 25% less owned um, than Aaron Jones. Like He's going unnoticed somehow against Miami at $7,000. I get it. He's the same price as Nick Chubb. So if you took my NFL Daily Fantasy course linked up down below, if you want $100 off that course, why not? We'll just throw it out there. Let me know. Reach out to me on Twitter and or in the comments of this YouTube video. If you're listening on the podcast version, reach out to me on Twitter. I can get you $100 off that course. But but right now, Marlon Max is the same price as Nick Chubb. So a concept we talk about in that course is same price syndrome. These guys are the same price. 
all the ownership will go to the name that is more popular and people will just pile on it. And that right now is Nick Chubb as it has been in the past weeks. Uh, I like Marlon Mack a lot this week. I like Chubb as well, but I like uh, Marlon Mack a lot. Smash spot, it seems. He's a 10.5 point home favorite. He's averaging 19.9 rush attempts per game. Miami can easily be run on. They're giving up the fourth most fantasy points per game to the running back position, the most rushing yards this entire season, and his team has a 27.25 total. I have a really hard time, especially if Jacoby Brissett, who's trending towards playing now, believe it or not, but even if Jacoby Brissett misses, I have a really hard time, or plays, I have a really hard time imagining that this team is going to score, on average, Vegas says 27 or more than 27 points, and win by around 10 points or so, and be a decent-sized home favorite. And it's not on the back to an extent of Marlon Mack, at least a score over 120 yards. And at this price point, it's hard to ignore that. I don't care that he doesn't catch the ball. I don't care that he only sees 1.8 targets per game in this spot because of just the pure great spot it is on the ground for a guy who gets fed volume. There's no question marks around the fact that he's probably going to see 20 plus touches if healthy in this game. Nick Chubb against Buffalo. Like Nick Chubb is highly owned and I usually like to target him when he's not. It's a tough spot to eat that ownership. Yes, this is a in theory, good matchup. In between the tackles, you can run on Buffalo. On the outside, it's tough. In the second unit, it's tough. But Nick Chubb has been the number one breakaway running back in the league, the number three overall rated behind McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. He's been top five in elusive rating, top five in breaking tackles, which goes into elusive rating. It's just a really good spot in terms of his individual play. Yes, Nick Chubb has been a top five running back this year. I don't care what people say. I don't care if you're looking at game log numbers and you're saying, no, he hasn't. Look at every single stat that actually matters. Nick Chubb has been a top five running back in this league so far. Obviously, fumbling twice last week against New England is not great. Um, but either way, or a couple weeks back against New England, not great. So I like Nick Chubb at $7,000. I prefer Marlon Mack if the ownership holds where it is right now. Le'Veon Bell, we'll see what happens. He seems to be fine. He said he's just sore. If he's a full participant and a full go, I like it at 6900 He sat down with Adam Gase, had a conversation and said, I want my role increased. After the conversation and reports, he said me and Adam Gase are on good terms. We got a, a positive outcome from that and i'm happy with it it seems that it's going to be productive for the team whatever the interview was he ends up getting 25 total touches the most he's had in weeks uh, with this team especially since donald has been back he saw eight receptions on nine targets i think the same stuff continues to happen against the giants who are pretty good at stopping the run just in terms of how bad they are at pass rush and pass coverage um but you have Le'Veon bell is just a dual threat in a spot where it's only a 20 implied team total, which is worrisome. But if I can bank on Le'Veon Bell getting 22 tack or 22 touches against a poor tackling team, I like that. I take that to the bank. David Montgomery at 5,300 remains my favorite pay down option. I think he's the workhorse. 73% of the touches the last two weeks. He continues to catch the ball as well. Three catches for 30 plus yards last week. Got in the end zone two times last week, once a week before. He's just looked very dominant. And even in a week last week where his team's terrible and doing awful, he still sees 17 overall touches. He still ends up having over 70 total yards and two scores. Like in the worst of cases, when they ran 45 plays last week, he was still able to do all that. Now he gets a team giving up the most fantasy points per game to the running back position in the Detroit Lions, a team that has been lacking without Mike Daniels, defensive tackle this season. And Damian Snacks Harrison has not been playing well. Neither has that defensive line for Detroit. So David Montgomery seems to be, in my opinion, like overall point per dollar wise, probably the best running back play on the slate at 5,300. I continue to like it. I like him more than Devin Singletary who's up next. Devin Singletary just has a tough matchup. He's played 60 plus percent of the snaps in each of the last two weeks. I totally get that. It's just a tough matchup. And I can easily see this skewing more towards 50-50 with Frank Gore. I don't think Frank Gore is just automatically dead now. Really bad pace, really bad team total for Singletary. I prefer David Montgomery. Now you get into these Miami running backs. I don't want Kalen Balazs, no. I'm not playing him in a tournament. You can play him in cash if you want and hope for 10 fantasy points at 3,800, but Miles Gaskin should be active or Patrick Lard. I don't know, Layard, whatever his name is. But if it's Miles Gaskin, I could easily see Miles Gaskin taking on the Mark Walton role of 70% of the snaps right out of the gate 
and just getting involved in the passing game. They've had every opportunity to give Kalen Balaj the ball. When it was just him and Kenyon Drake at the beginning of the year and in the preseason, they really didn't give Kalen Balaj the ball. When it was a three-headed monster with Kenyon Drake and Mark Walton and Kalen Balaj, they were only giving Kalen Balaj goal line carries. When it was only two running backs on the active roster and, Kay- and Kenyon Drake was shipped out, they gave 70-plus percent of the snaps for two straight weeks to Mark Walton, all the passing duty to Mark Walton, and they gave about 20% of the work and all the goal line work, and that was about it, to Kalen Balaj. I don't think they're just going to make him an 80% of the workload dude, and even if they do, I don't think that matters all that much in a game where they're going to be trailing by 10. He probably still only sees 8 to 10 carries. I think Miles Gaskin will have a good run here if he plays. I'd have more interest in Miles Gaskin in tournaments, but neither of them are, are smash or must plays. We need to call out one player here, or maybe two. I think David Johnson's a guy I'm actually going to put a question mark on. I have some interest in David Johnson at that price tag. Brutal matchup on the ground. But if you factor in, he sees six targets per game. And if he has one of those games where he's catching six balls for 70 or 80 yards, at that price tag, it's actually worth it, especially when you factor in touchdown upside against a team in Tampa Bay that you can move the ball on. But lastly... We need to talk about Ronald Jones. He's not that great of a play this week. I think people are going out of their minds looking for a 4K Jalen Samuels from last week and chasing it, and it's not there. You're chasing a ghost. Jalen Samuels was going to see the lion's share of the work as a really good running back, a pass-catching running back against a team that wants you to catch the ball in the Colts. Now you have Ronald Jones, who, what did he do last week? Why are people excited? He played 53% of the snaps. He had 16 fantasy points because he got in an end zone on a receiving touchdown, which accounted for over seven of his fantasy points. So if he doesn't catch a passing touchdown, which I don't think you're going to expect any running back to catch a passing touchdown every week, let alone Ronald Jones in a Tampa Bay offense that only throws to two guys pretty much for the most part, right? And if they're throwing to a third guy, it's usually not a running back. And if his name is pro- his name is probably Ogumboale, his last name, and not Jones. So um, Ronald Jones would have had nine fantasy points if he doesn't catch a red zone touchdown last week. So I don't know why people are jumping all up and down. It's not like he played 80% of the snaps and had 120 yards on the ground. He had an okay day. Um, it's a spot that I'm very confused by. Ronald Jones at 4,300 is not a great play. I don't think he's too cheap. I think he's appropriately priced. At best, he'll see 50% of the snaps in 10 to 12 touches this week. I don't know why people are jumping up all up and down, but... Um, Sure. Can he have another good week this week? Of course he can. Uh, But for the most part, I'm not too sure um, that he will. So wide receivers now. And you can see there's usually a decent size list because there's a lot of wide receivers that we have to choose from. So I'll outdo this a little bit. Hit the subscribe button if you're still listening. I appreciate that. We'll go through the wide receivers relatively quickly because it's mainly stack related. For New Orleans, Michael Thomas stands out. Look, people can think can think he's expensive. He's not. He's the highest owned player projected right now on the slate. Um, but he's not expensive. Like he's averaging 24 fantasy points a game, 24 and a half. And when you compare that to some of these top end running backs, he's relatively cheap, if not appropriately priced. So I think Michael Thomas is completely fine this week if you want to get there. Whoever he faces on the outside, if it's Isaiah Oliver, that's a, that's a joke, right? He's going to absolutely smash that spot. He's a huge favorite, this team. Drew Brees might only throw 25 to 28 times, but 32 points. You'd imagine Michael Thomas is going to contribute in some way to that. Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. I slightly prefer Chris Goblin running out of the slot. Um, and I say slightly, ever so slightly, against Tremaine Brock. But Mike Evans on the outside, even if he has Patrick Peterson on him, it's a good matchup for Mike Evans. Evans has 14 red zone targets this year to Chris Goblin's seven. Mike Evans has 41% of the team air yards. Um, Chris Goblin's just going to have a really good matchup out of the slot. I think they're both fine. I prefer slightly Chris Goblin, but it's barely. Like if I have 25% Chris Goblin, I'll probably have like 24% Mike Evans. And I might flip-flop on that just because I do believe in this matchup for Mike Evans. I don't think Patrick Peterson is the same type of guy, and the numbers have not shown that he is. Devontae Adams is just a fantastic runback option. If you want to stack DJ Moore, 
uh, Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Allen and run it back with Devonta Adams. I love it. Otherwise, I don't really want to stack Green Bay. So Adams has a one-off, 6,900. James Bradbury has been dealing with an injury. Maybe he doesn't even play. I think it's a groin injury. Even if he does, even if he does play, he's not going to shadow Devonta Adams. You'll put, you'll see a lot of Dante Jackson on Devonta. And regardless, Devontae, one of the best right there with DeAndre Hopkins, red zone receivers over the past couple of years. He's probably a shoe in to see 10 plus targets in this game. And he's $6,900. That's too cheap. It's just way too cheap for a guy who's not drawing ownership right now. And even if James Bradbury and Dante Jackson, who have both been well out there, even if they're both in, I'm not too concerned about that matchup for a spot where his team has a 26.75 team implied total. You really think the Packers are going to score that many points? And I get it. They've done it in the past, scheming their running backs open. But you think they're going to score that many points with Devontae Adams on the field a lot, and it's not going to go through him? I like Devontae Adams a lot here. Zach Pascal, I have as a yes right now, but there's a good chance he could get changed to a maybe for me. I like a lot of other 5K receivers, but the point being, T.Y. Hilton's not going to play. And if you have Jacoby Brissett, even better. If you don't, Hoyer's still a serviceable quarterback and showed a connection with Pascal. He's ran 90 plus percent of the snaps each of the last two weeks. Really good matchup against Miami. There's just nobody out there for Miami. Like this is a a cupcake matchup for Zach Pascal. It's really a cupcake matchup for any receiver against these uh, defensive backs in Miami. Christian Kirk, I think he's good at 5,200. He seems like the prime runback option with any of your Tampa Bay stacks. I just like the spot for him. He's not having a ton of air yards on his targets. He was moved to the outside last week, which hurts his overall catch percentage. When you're running out of the side, it's easier to catch those passes because they're shorter and easier to catch pretty much, right? They're not going to be overthrown and there's just a higher conversion rate on them. On the outside, if he continues to get moved there, last week, I think he only played in the 60% of his snaps out of the slot instead of he usually plays in the 80s. Uh, It's going to hurt his upside or his floor, but it can help his upside for deeper passes. Jarvis Landry is too cheap against a Buffalo zone that is going to allow you to throw it short, especially to your slot receiver. Saw 13 targets last week. Look, it's a tough matchup. Everything about this game is kind of gross. The matchup, the pace, the team total. But Landry is going to be in a spot where his team's a favorite here at 4,900. Just the volume that he's seeing, he's seeing 8.4 targets per game, and he's seeing 9.2 air yards per target. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but relative to most wide receivers that coming out of the slot in the league, most slot wide receivers see about six or seven air yards per target. He's seeing 9.2, so that means he's running down the field more out of the slot, which means there's a lot of upside there against the team's third best cornerback usually. Robbie Anderson's $4,700. I think Robbie Anderson's a good play. Um, Robbie Anderson's fine at this price point. He's going to get to go up against a guy like Janoris Jenkins and or DeAndre Baker. You know what you're getting out of Robbie Anderson. Probably five targets, maybe six targets if you're lucky. A couple of deep ones. And if he hits that deep one, you're good. If not, oh well. That's pretty much what it sums up to. I'd prefer some other guys ahead of him, but he's at 5% ownership and he's $4,700. This is the spot that you take cracks on Robbie Anderson. Man, do I love Tyree Kill this week. I love it. I love Kansas City stacks. They're going low owned. Tyreek Hill is 3% owned right now. And I get it. Everybody wants to own Michael Thomas. Everybody wants to own Chris Goblin and Mike Evans. I get it. But Tyreek Hill is going to go up against a, na- a man named LaShawn Sims. LaShawn Sims has given up five catches for over 60 yards and a touchdown on eight targets and 67, co- 67 coverage snaps this year. It's limited snaps because he's a third string cornerback. It's about two games worth of coverage snaps. Oh yeah. And now you're going to have to face Tyree Kill in coverage. He's not going to have to face a door Jackson. Door Jackson doesn't leave the left side of the field 88% of the time, and they're just going to move Tyree Kill away from him. Even if a door Jackson was on him, Tyree Kill wins that matchup more times than not. Great spot with Patrick Mahomes likely do back. DJ Moore is my final yes at wide receiver. He's in a smash spot. He's in an absolute smash spot at 5,200, a guy averaging over eight and a half targets per week. I don't know how his price point continues to stay so cheap. He's going to get to avoid Jair Alexander, who will be on Curtis Samuel, and he'll get Kevin King, who's a much worse cornerback. It's just a good spot. Um, He has size. He has speed. He's seeing eight and a half targets per game, and he's seeing 10.2 air yards per target. So not only is he seeing volume, he's seeing volume that is in the intermediate range of big play upside plus consistency, and that's why this guy is one of the best floors in, in the entire league for DFS. 
absolutely great cash play and has really good tournament upside. I love the idea of stacking like a Kyle Allen, and I don't like Kyle Allen, but stacking a Kyle Allen with a McCaffrey and DJ Moore, running it back with a Devontae Adams is a very low-owned stack, and in my opinion, that stack has upside. My maybes, a lot of these are due to stacking. Julio Jones, he's a maybe. I just prefer other guys if you're getting a one-off, but if you're playing Matt Ryan, you definitely have Julio Jones. Uh, Kenny Galladay, he is the number one receiver on the fourth most, um, the fourth the fourth highest passing team on the slate. So although I don't really prioritize him in the 7K range, I have four other guys ahead of him. If you count the 8K range of Michael Thomas, five other guys ahead of him, I would rather play Devontae Adams for $100 less. But if you're going to stack, you're going to play Matt Stafford, you have Kenny Galladay. Uh, Buffalo's John Brown at $6,000. The 6K range for me at wide receiver is kind of dead. There's one guy that I'll get to at 6,100, ding, 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 gave it away, Odell Beckham, that I actually have interest in, and he's closer to a yes than a maybe for me. But John Brown, I'd rather play Odell, or I'd rather just save money and definitely get to DJ Moore, who, in my opinion, DJ Moore has the similar floor and ceiling combination and has been just as consistent, if not more consistent, than John Brown this year for $800 less. Hollywood Brown is 5,100. If you play Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown is your number one stack option, or you just play Lamar Jackson naked. Again, I prefer DJ Moore over Hollywood Brown, but he has a really good matchup against a bunch of banged up, and William Jackson, the third, should be back, but a bunch of banged up, or maybe it's a second, I don't know, um, but a bunch of banged up uh, secondary units for the Bengals for Marquise Brown, really good spot for Hollywood. He just hasn't really done much overall since week two. Jamison Crowder at 5K is fine to play. Again, I prefer Robbie Anderson in tournaments, but Jamison Crowder will have one of the better matchups in the league against Grant Haley, who is giving up. Uh, he is a bottom three slot cornerback in terms of passer rating by the amount of snaps you play. 133 passer rating so far this season for Jamison or for Grant Haley, who Crowder will face. Good spot for Crowder against a Giants team that is giving up 43.9 fantasy points per game to the wide receiver position, second only on the slate behind Tampa Bay. Devontae Parker, no Preston Williams. People are going to have to pick up the slack. Devontae Parker, who leads the team in air yards, is Ryan Fitzpatrick's favorite target. Looks like a good option. Although this week, I'm not sure I want to get there at 4,800. I prefer DJ Moore. I prefer Jarvis Landry. I prefer Robbie Anderson taking a shot on him. I prefer Zach Pascal and Christian Kirk. So when I get down to it, Devontae Parker's facing a Colts team that loves to limit big plays with their zone defense. They, they just don't allow you to have big plays on them. And that's really what Devontae Parker survives on. And that's really what your tournament lineup survive on. So I'm not going to get there this week. Russell Gage is a decent cash play, in my opinion, who has some tournament upside. We saw him take over the Mohamed Sanu role last week, and he looked really good in it. He caught five passes on seven targets, and I imagine he continues to do that. Mohamed Sanu ran a team high 233 routes out of all wide receivers out of the slot. Russell Gage took over that role the last time they were out there running close to 40 routes. This guy, I think he ran 44. This guy is going to continue to stay on the field and have upside in that role. I like Russell Gage a good amount at $3,400. Again, don't come back to me and say, Russell Gage only got me nine points. I didn't win my GPP for the million dollars. Yeah, he's much better cash play. It's a lower upside. Mohamed Sanu was a much better cash play every week. And now you get this guy at 3,400 taking over Mohamed Sanu's role against New Orleans out of the slot, which has been a spot that people can target for the last two years and have success. Finishing it up, Darius Slayton, I think, has some upside just because there's no Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram and his matchup on the outside. No Tremaine Johnson for the Jets. It's going to be Daryl Roberts on the outside who will probably get um, Darius Slayton. And outside of that, it's going to be some fill-in rotational cornerbacks. So good spot for the receivers on the outside and Cody Lattimore, Darius Shepard. But just think about those names I just said. Cody Lattimore and Darius Shepard don't really tickle anybody's fancy, I don't think. Not that much upside. Maybe some talent in Slayton, but not any volume, only seeing 4.4 targets per game. Not great. I think he's only gone over five targets once this season. Alan Hearns at $3,000 flat should take over the Preston Williams role on the outside. Again, not a good matchup against the Colts. Alan Hearns is, is pretty washed up outside of one year where he saw a really good touchdown, unsustainable regression, but that's about it. Odell Beckham Jr. is the last one. I like Odell. Man, he has no ownership. This is the thing. He has no ownership. Oh, he's going to face Tredavious White. Tredavious White has stayed on one side of the field for over 80% of his snaps this year. 
And did you not just see who's been one of the best, if not the best shutdown cornerbacks in the league this season and Chris Harris, Odell Merkin last week, left and right for over 80 yards and six receptions. Uh, Odell Beckham, if he's not going to be owned at this price tag, and they've already said they want to start force feeding him. Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchen said we have to force feed Odell the ball this week. They should say that every week, and it hasn't happened all that much. But last time they said that Odell had over 100 yards receiving. So uh, all I'm saying is, and I think that might have been his only or second 100-yard receiving game of the year outside of that huge one against the Jets uh, in primetime. But at 6,100, all I'm saying in GPPs, if this guy is this low owned with the upside that he has, Buffalo plays a very good zone defense similar to the Colts. But this is a guy who's beaten zones nonstop with slant routes and probably doesn't have to face a shadow, shadow treatment of Tredavious White. I do like Odell this week. Finishing up with the tight ends, this one should be quick. Tra- Travis Kelsey and Austin Hooper, they're going to probably amount like 60 to 70% of my ownership. Kelsey's priced down uh, in a great spot against Tennessee, who's getting killed through the air this season. Patrick Mahomes is back. Kelsey has been everything he was last year, except not finding the end zone because of a couple penalties, dropping a couple balls, one near miss. It's just a spot where Kelsey's too cheap. Again, I really like stacking Kansas City this week, and I'm going to get to the most Travis Kelsey. I'm not shocked if I have like 50% Travis Kelsey this week. Austin Hooper would be my next man up. Um, it's just a spot where he's been his quarterback's probably favorite target. If not him, then 1A, 1B with Julio Jones this year. He's a talented tight end. And tight end on this slate kind of stinks. Like you have Mark Andrews, who only played 32% of the snaps the last time, or 34 the last time he went out there. Really good matchup against the Bengals, but he's $300 less than Hooper. I'd rather get to Hooper. Um, I'm going to try and prioritize paying up for Kelsey, then get to Hooper, then Andrews. After that, it's just a hodgepodge of guys. Like, I'll probably have some sort of mixture of 20% of the next following guys, if not less. Uh, Greg Olson, Mike Kosicki, Jack Doyle, and Rhett Ellison. I think Red Ellison at 2500 is a very good cash punt option. Allows you to pay up for McCaffrey. Maybe get you also Michael Thomas, whoever you really want in there. Um, he's cheap at 2500 He played 100% of the snaps on Thursday night football the last time Evan Ingram missed against the New England Patriots in the toughest matchup you could possibly have. On a short week, on the road, filling in for your tight end or filling in for your starting tight end, and now you face New England in New England on Thursday night. He had three catches for 30 yards, six fantasy points, at 2,500, six fantasy points isn't the end of the world. Now he has a whole week to kind of prepare and a much easier matchup this week for him against the Jets because he's pretty much staying at home. So that's where I'm at on tight end. It's very brief because it's Travis Kelsey and Austin Hooper for me. Travis Kelsey above everybody else on a tier of his own. Then the, the second tier is pretty much Austin Hooper by himself. Third tier is like Mark Andrews by himself. And then I really like punting to Rhett Ellison. If you don't want to punt all the way down there, Jack Doyle is very interesting against Miami. He's just picking up so much ownership. Like he caught three balls on four targets for 22 yards and a touchdown last week. And people are losing their minds about it, wanting to own him at a 20% clip. I'd rather just get to Mike Gusecki or Greg Olson for a fraction of the ownership there. Um, in cash, you can play him. But again, cash seems like a spot where you pay for Travis Kelsey or you just pump with Red Ellison, in my opinion. That's where I'm at right now. I think that was a long show. I think that might have been our longest show ever. Hopefully, you're all still here. Hopefully, wherever you are right now, you enjoyed that show. I'll get the target off and sheet back up behind my head. I'll lower it so you guys can take screenshots. But thank you all for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button before we go. By the time you're listening to this, we might have already reached 15,000 subscribers. If you could leave a five-star rate, and also if you could leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen to Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast, I really do appreciate it. It helps me out a ton to build this audio version, allows me to continue to produce. And yes, it does. It's not just me saying that. The advertising money and just the owner or the viewership ownership, I'm thinking DFS, the viewership and then third-party advertising allows me to continue to do this totally free on this YouTube platform. If you are interested in more extensive and exclusive content, that is linked up down below on my Patreon. You can check that out, link below. We're about to hit 400 Patreons, so thank you all so much. You all are, are incredible people. I really appreciate the support from everybody out there. Check out Fantasy Draft. Once again, there's a link down below to get into their contest for this upcoming weekend. My name is Sal. I think you already know that.
Peace out, gang. Have a good one. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.